0: I look over at him and I say, no, you can't do that here. And welcome to the Two Takes on Film podcast. This is Heather and I'm joined by my co-host today, Wyatt. Wyatt,
1: <laughs> my name's Wyatt, yeah. You really don't remember my name?
0: <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to go a different direction today with your um, your name and your identity.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. I'm always okay. Wyatt.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, Well, welcome guys. I know that I say this pretty much every episode that we have a couple of great films for you today, uh, but we really do. This um, is an episode that Wyatt and I are both excited about the movies that we're going to talk about. um, And hopefully you listened to Wyatt's advice last episode to go see one of the films that he had mentioned that we're going to talk about today, but more, more of that to come. Um, The topic that I wanted to bring up today to start out um, is the topic of Amanda Knox. And never did I think that we would mention Amanda Knox on our podcast. However, there's a movie currently out starring Matt Damon called Stillwater. And it is inspired by... (laughs) I don't know why you're smiling I just
1: just keep Every time you say Amanda Knox I just keep thinking about Amanda Bynes Yeah. We're currently talking about The movie star Amanda Bynes No The star (laughs) of the hit movie She's a man (laughs) She's the
0: man And it's one of the greatest films ever
1: Right, she's a man (laughs) And I don't know anything else That Amanda Bynes has been in
0: Oh my gosh, the Amanda show. Uh,
1: um
0: yeah. <laughs> well, I'm also, like on everything. Also, this movie
1: Stillwater in. is about her
0: life. <laughs> it's not about her life. I feel like it could be very interesting to one day have a story about Amanda Bynes' life. Uh, but that's not this movie and what we're talking about. I think it would be so interesting. She's had she's had an interesting life.
1: The the rooted document-
0: rooted in the the, the documentary tragedies would be called, of her. No, career. she
1: literally is a man.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, that would be surprising to me, but I don't know. We'll talk about that movie when it comes out in a handful <laughs> of years. It's been
1: out for a long time. What? Oh, oh, I think she's <laughs> <Yeah>. the man.
0: <laughs> no, the movie about Amanda Bynes actually being a man. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's we're not. Oh, it's we not, weren't
1: supposed to tell everyone yet. No, she's a friend of the podcast. She reached yeah. out and the other day, just called us and said, By the way, guys, you know, I'm this, a man. This is happening. And we said, How'd you get our numbers? How are you <laughs> calling us both at the same time? She said, Don't worry about it. Go see the movie based off my life, Stillwater, in theaters right now. <laughs>
0: If you're feeling confused right now, <laughs> let me clarify for you. There's a movie out called Stillwater, starring Matt Damon, uh, which is based on the life and story of Amanda Knox, um, not Amanda Bynes, although that could be great one day. This past week, Amanda Knox went uh, on a bit of a Twitter rant. You should um, explain
1: what the story is about.
0: Sure. Not so, the story.
1: This is this is a true story about this woman, Amanda Knox. Yeah. This actually happened to her.
0: Yeah. So the movie is about this young girl who is in college. She goes to, I thought it was Italy. Is it France? I
1: thought it was France. I have not seen the movie yet.
0: I haven't either. She goes to Europe for college. And while she's there, um, it is discovered that her college roommate has been murdered. She is put in jail and imprisoned, accused of murdering her roommate. Her father doesn't believe that to be true, and travels over to wherever she is to essentially help um, do his own work of trying to solve this case and to free his daughter. So that's the gist of the story. Um, that's that. Do you, is that all I should say about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you know the story of Amanda Knox, you know that this sounds like her story. So this week she tweeted um essentially this question of is this not my story? Is this not my life? Um essentially alluding to the fact that not alluding to the fact she was never um consulted or told that this movie was in production or was happening um and she found out that it was happening the same way the rest of us did when a trailer came out um, and that's how she knew that this story was being told. So uh, it begs the question of, I guess in my mind, it begs the question of how could they create a story based on, how could they create a movie based on her life and not alert her to the fact that it was happening? Um, mm-hmm. So that's the question that I'm posing is where are the ethical and moral lines of an artist, a filmmaker, taking this story, this, this story that has been really tragic and damaging, obviously, for her and her life, and to create it into something for the world to be yeah. able to see, but to not consult her about it, to not include her in the financial earnings of it. She's not a part of it at all. Um, and the, the only thing that I read in this article that I will mention is just the fact that she has said how everything is portrayed in the movie there are things that are brought up that have been like um uh (laughs) i don't know how to like say it in legal terms that essentially have been proven to she hasn't been guilty of them Mm -hmm. and she feels that this film is is continuing to perpetuate this idea of her guilt or her association or whatever that is now preventing her once again from being able to like just live a normal life. Um, she's back in the U.S. She's living her life. But and, was she
1: ever officially proven innocent?
0: Um, I don't know. That's a good question.
1: I don't know she's if she not, actually
0: was. But she's ha- she's like she's back. She's yeah, living I life. Guess. She's not yeah. in prison anymore. So something had to happen that she was released from that. So that's the only thing I'll mention is her, her feeling of like this movie being out there is now once again, setting her back and is creating an image of her in people's minds that she feels legally have been proven to not be correct. (laughs) But you had, you had some thoughts on this as well.
1: Yeah. I just, I'm not even saying that it's, not morally or like ethically wrong for them to make a movie about her life without consulting her. It's interesting that movies don't just happen overnight. There's Mm -hmm, no chance in the world that she didn't hear about this happening until the trailer came out, That's Mm -hmm. just not how movies work. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know who she was. And I knew about this movie happening 18 months ago, you know, (laughs) like sure, sure, sure. And if it's your life story, seems like you would keep tabs Mm -hmm. on media or that like
0: someone in the world would have alerted you (laughs) Yeah, like there are thousands of people who work on this
1: it doesn't sound like she did but that guy's why didn't she go to the movie studio and say hey I'd like to be part of this conversation if at that point they said no that would feel pretty weird it doesn't seem like she really did Mm -hmm. and either way right wrong like ethically right or wrong to make a movie about someone's life filmmakers are artists and artists have no obligation to their subjects Mm -hmm. they have no obligation to tell the truth they have no obligation like I think that's like a misconception that people have is that oh if you say your movie is based on a true story you it has to like follow this like like it's illegal to lie in your story? Mm-hmm. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. No, it's not at all. Yeah. like Yeah. They're storytellers. They can say. Yeah. They can tell whatever story they want. Is it? Is it? You know, ethical to do so? I don't know. I'm not saying yes. I'm not saying no. Yeah. But her story is now just part of history. It's just something that has happened. Is it deeply personal? I'm sure it is. But like not every person who served in a war has to get talked to before someone makes a movie Mm -hmm. about that war or about Mm -hmm. the squadron that they were maybe in or like whatever. That's just not how it works. You can make a movie about whatever you want and you don't have to tell things like they exactly were. That's what artistic interpretation is. Like you are allowed to make it. You can, I was telling Heather before the show started, like one of the most famous cases of that is the movie Fargo which is very, very famous from 1995, I believe. And Joel I just Ethan, recently
0: watched it a couple of weeks ago or maybe like time? a month or two ago. Yeah, for the first time.
1: Before it starts, it starts out with that shot of the car driving in the snow. It's like one long take. There's a black screen it, and it says, this is a true story. Mm-hmm. Not this mm-hmm. is based on a tree. This mm-hmm. is a true story. And a large hook of a movie, of the movie, like a large reason people like wanted to see and stuff is because it was one of those true crime stories that was like too crazy to be true like how Mm -hmm. did all this actually happen and how is because it didn't happen it's not a true story at all and like the filmmakers are very open about that it's common knowledge I mean it doesn't take very much work to look up the crime look up the city you know and be like there's not even anything close to this happening Mm -hmm. in this area or whatever but the filmmakers just said that to get butts in seats to sell the movie like this is a true story. This is based on a true story is not some sort of legal claim that a movie Mm -hmm. is putting out Mm -hmm. to let you know that they're like doing a diligent job. No, it's a marketing ploy to get you to want to watch the movie. That's Mm -hmm. all it is. Like there's no, they can lie about that. They can do it and then not tell the truth. They can do it and then tell the truth exactly. Like, and again, not speaking to like how ethically sound it is to do any of those things, but Filmmakers have no obligation to the truth. Some people would say that, you know, filmmakers are not necessarily journalists. Mm-hmm. I think in like today's day and age, people sometimes think they are. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with like sharing the truth through your films. But filmmakers aren't journalists. They're storytellers. Yeah. You can do. You can kind of be one in the same. But journalists, journalists have an obligation to tell the truth, to like Mm -hmm. spread accurate information. Mm -hmm. Filmmakers are not journalists. Mm -hmm. They're just storytellers.
0: So I guess that's an interesting um, distinction because I think about like a documentary and Mm -hmm. how that's a filmmaker. But I take that to be more journalistic. Sure. So would you hold them to the same standard as a journalist or...
1: No, I mean I think if you're claiming that your movie is telling a story that like needs to be heard, if you mm-hmm. are saying if you're saying this is based on a true story because it's like crazy crime story, like whatever, mm-hmm. then it's like do whatever you want. Again, I'm not trying to speak to like how right or wrong it is. I do think if you're making a movie about um say some sort of like say something like Judas and the Black Messiah,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like a civil rights event that wasn't super commonly known until it came out. If you're saying this is the true story that people haven't heard, people need to hear this because we're trying to tell black stories. We're trying to tell this. We're trying to tell that if you're making those claims, mm-hmm. like we're making this movie to get the truth out there and then you go and blatantly lie
0: yeah, again,
1: you have the right to, mm-hmm. but like, that's pretty, that's pretty shitty. Mm-hmm. Like don't do that. Yeah. So documentaries, most documentaries hinge themselves on. We're telling this untold true story. Mm-hmm. And like, especially nowadays, most documentaries are like trying to expose something or trying to like, right. you they know. take
0: an angle for sure.
1: Yeah, if you're doing that, if it's something political, if it's something, just something that like you know could deeply affect people's lives, and you're you're marketing it as this like expose of the truth so that the people may know, mm-hmm. then I would think you have an ethical obligation to tell the truth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But Legally, you don't at all. You can say whatever you want. Yeah. 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 I mean, like that's just basically like yeah. I mean, I think documentaries are a little bit different because they almost all the time. I mean, there are definitely mockumentaries. There are definitely Mm -hmm. documentaries that just like are about things that aren't really spreading like a message per se. Mm -hmm. Um, but especially just like in the past fifteen years or so. Mm-hmm. most documentaries and lots of movies too like movies more and more have like moral messages to them yeah. or like are trying to tell untold stories and I think that if you're marketing your movie as something like that then you should tell the truth because that's just like in my eyes wrong mm-hmm. but as far as their legal obligation mm-hmm. It's not wrong at all. They're still storytellers. They're not journalists.
0: Yeah. So here's, a. will read you a little quote from an interview that um, Amanda Knox did. She said, at this point, it's less of a legal issue and it's more of an ethical human conversation that we need to have because it has been overlooked. We should be asking those questions. And what is the impact of our art? The measure of art should be whether or not it's a good story and it makes us feel things and whether or not it resonates as truthful to the human experience you know we're having a cultural moment where we're acknowledging cultural appropriation where we're acknowledging how broad swaths of people have been represented in others art so she essentially goes on to claim that perhaps her own identity is being appropriated or misappropriated so she says that she has reached out to um i don't know if she's reached out to Matt Damon himself or the Um, like the team about it, but she says she's extended an invitation for a conversation um, because ultimately that's her goal. Her goal is not to celebrity bash, as she says. Um, If anything, she wants to point out something that she felt was overlooked and to just extend the conversation or to extend the invitation to have a conversation um, about the situation. So,
1: yeah, which I mean, I do agree. I think at this point, it's not a legal conversation because yeah. there's no grounds there. But if she wants to have an ethical conversation about whether it was right for them to kind of take the liberties that they did or not console her, then that's a conversation that she should be, you know, Um, I would hope that they would oblige having that with her Yeah. and not Matt Damon. I mean, I'm sure Matt Damon could be there. I'm sure he's an executive producer because he's insanely rich, but really doesn't have anything to do with the storytelling. That'd yeah. Be- Todd McCarthy who I mean Todd McCarthy is a a talented filmmaker he's kind of hit or miss but I mean he made Spotlight which is like Mm -hmm. a terrific film that was praised for being historically accurate and Mm -hmm. that's like a prime example of a film that was there to like tell the truth you know yeah yeah expose Expose. Mm -hmm. um so based on that I wouldn't think that he would have malice intent in his Mm -hmm. artistic direction but Mm -hmm. um in telling her story Mm -hmm. and ultimately if she just thinks well yeah i don't know i guess that's if if things have been genuinely proven as false Mm
0: -hmm.
1: like actually legally proven as false that they didn't portray that's tough still not legally wrong but morally probably pretty wrong yeah but if it's just stuff that as obviously being the person who Mm -hmm. wants to do it yeah yeah is saying like oh that's not true but it's never been actually proven and Mm -hmm. like he owes her nothing to Mm -hmm. he can disagree yeah yeah many people do disagree like their government disagreed for five years while they held her there like yeah yeah i'm not saying you know wrong or right but like Mm -hmm. so but yeah i think that if she wants to have that conversation hopefully they they engage her in that Mm
0: -hmm. yeah yeah so an interesting question. Um, I Neither of us have seen Stillwater yet. So, and I also don't feel like I know enough about her story. I feel like I would want to learn a little bit more about that um, either before or after seeing the film, just to kind of make your own judgments about how it's portrayed, how she's portrayed, how her case is portrayed um, in this creative way. So Stillwater is out now. So, feel free to go see it. I don't think that's going to be one that we're reviewing. Question probably not. mark, probably yeah. not. Um, but you should still go see it because it's there. And why not if you can? Yep. So, that's that. Okay. So, moving on to our two movies for today, I'm going to be talking about the Suicide Squad and Wyatt is going to be covering The Green Knight. Um, I feel like there are some interesting similarities between today's movies. Do you? Um, yeah.
1: I'm curious to hear.
0: I mean, even just, yeah, we won't go into it yet. <laughs> uh, but The Suicide Squad is the latest film from director, writer, James Gunn, um, who, of course, I know him best from his work on Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I don't know if he's done, I'm sure he's done other things, but other, like, big things that he might be well known for.
1: Um, His probably two best known films before guardians of the galaxy were super in 2008 with ryan johnson or not ryan johnson um uh dwight from the office ryan um
0: oh right rain wilson oh rain, rain wilson.
1: Wilson. yeah sorry <laughs> no, ryan johnson <laughs> ryan
0: howard <laughs>
1: no ryan johnson's the director of uh knives out and oh sure. but sorry um with rain wilson and then also slither and i think 2005 2006 with mm. nathan Fillion mm. and um michael Rucker and and everything oh, so yeah. um i i can get more into that yeah yeah later
0: yeah so um in addition to probably most being well known for guardians of the galaxy um i feel like his name kind of came across my uh knowledge my brain my life uh, when he was removed from Disney after Mm -hmm. some um, former tweets came up from him, which feels like a common uh, kind of occurrence for some celebrities these days, but um, he had some past tweets come out. Uh, Disney, I think, felt a lot of pressure from the Disney community, very family-based, um, to then remove him from future work and, um, projects that he was on, um, which I believe he's since been brought back Uh onto projects. Is that right?
1: About nine months later, they rehired him. Yeah. Yeah. So he will be finishing out. Like he's, he's slated to direct Guardians of the galaxy three, which we probably would be getting right about now, but in between in those nine months, he had been set up for this movie so he's been working on that
0: yeah so as you mentioned in that time he got snatched by warner brothers to take on this project um which is not necessarily a reboot or a sequel um but it is it
1: is technically a sequel
0: technically a sequel Mm -hmm. i think he said at one point Uh, It just is what it is (laughs) Um, as to the approach of it. So I don't know if you want to give any background on that. There was a Suicide Squad that came out in 2016. Um, So basically,
1: yeah, Suicide Squad came out in 2016, um, directed by David Ayer, and was just a horrible, horrible film, just a mess of a film. I mean, there's a lot of rumors of studio interference. A lot of people Mm -hmm. now, after the success of The Snyder Cutter, are wanting there to be the air yeah. cut which is like his original which undoubtedly he probably had an original vision of the film mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is different from what got put out but it's a bit different the snyder cut had a lot more going on first of all he you know snyder stepped away from the film and they had an entirely new director step in like that's a big part of it who really changed things if we just go around saying release the blank cut of mm-hmm. any movie that's had studio interference guys studios interfere a lot that's like yeah. their main thing yeah. so we can't do that for like every single film mm-hmm. plus i think david ayer is a very talented writer i think he can be a good filmmaker but he's very hit or miss i'd say he has a hmm. he has a good solid movie for every two pretty dismal movies he puts out and even then i i've never really thought any of his films were that that great so not that I'm a huge fan of Zack Snyder, but I just don't think that even if we got the air cut, mm-hmm. it would be anything too spectacular. Yeah. But basically, that was trash. But that was also when DC was really still vying for like the Snyderverse, like Zack Snyder's mm-hmm. Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman, then Suicide Squad, and then Justice League. They were still trying to make that happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: As their universe, since Justice League, just one year after Suicide Squad in 2017, they've Besides the Snyder Cut, they've just abandoned that and gone for their own. Mm -hmm. Every movie's a standalone. You know, Mm -hmm. we have Shazam, we had Birds of Prey, we had Joker, now we have this. Um, Even Aquaman is kind of its own standalone. Mm -hmm. Andy uh, Muschietti, or whatever you say his name, the director of the two It films, Mm -hmm. is directing an upcoming Flash film. Um, So you have all these different directors Uh, directing kind of standalone they they involve some of the same characters like Mm -hmm. harley quinn you know is in suicide squad and birds of prey Prey. and this film Mm -hmm. um and this is technically a sequel sequel to 2016 some of the same characters are there and they do recognize that the other one happened but less in story and more so they use it to their advantage of like not having to introduce the concept of the suicide squad Mm -hmm. they're like you've already seen this you know 2016 spent way too long 2016 suicide squad spent Mm -hmm. way too long trying to tell people like what this whole thing was basically if you don't know the plot of the movie uh amanda waller played by viola davis is this like fbi coordinator lady Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who heads uh what do they call them project x team x task
0: force
1: task force x Mm -hmm. also monikered the suicide squad which is a bunch of villains from the tv from the dc universe that are imprisoned they get them together they set them on basically impossible or almost suicidal missions and say if you happen to live through this which like you Mm -hmm. probably won't because it's Mm -hmm. almost suicide we'll take time off your sentence or Mm -hmm. something like that um but 2016 already Spent 40 minutes of its film telling you all that, yeah. So, this film they literally spend maybe 40 seconds with Michael yeah. Worker's character at yeah. the very beginning, very quick. And she even says, You know, the drill mm-hmm. you do this, you have a mm-hmm. bomb planted in your neck. If you try to run away, I'll blow it up, you know, blah blah blah. And yeah. then, boom, they're off to the races. Like, and it's a fairly, it's a decently length film, mm-hmm. and yet, like, immediately they're yeah, on it's the a quick scene. start mm-hmm. mission is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so they <laughs> honestly like use the fact that 2016 suicide squad exists as you know yeah uh a way to just expedite the beginning of their story uh in that case but as far as like actually acknowledging that the events of that film happened not really the case uh when James Gunn was fired from Disney Mm -hmm. and he had 909th period of time where he was like am I ever going to work again in Hollywood whatever he actually went to Warner Brothers and said he's been a comic book fan his whole life Mm -hmm he specializes in darker, uh, like comedy horrors kind of thing. Like slither and super were both very, very dark, very, very funny, but very, very like gritty and Mm -hmm. dark, uh, horror movies, basically horror comedies. Mm -hmm. Um, and he went to Warner Brothers and said, I have this script that I've written or like at least idea for a Suicide Squad movie. Hmm. I feel like my style of film- filmmaking would fit this perfectly. And that was right a War- right when Warner Brothers was at the point where they're like, we need to start just getting distinct filmmakers and letting yeah. them tell their own individual stories within our characters. And so they said, yes, go for it. And he was yeah. very vocal that from the beginning, they allowed him to do whatever he wanted. And I yeah. think if you are a fan of James Gunn, this movie, I think, This is like the most unfiltered James Gunn has ever Hmm. been. Because, for as much as I love Guardians of the Galaxy, Mm -hmm. it's a very filtered version of James Mm -hmm. Gunn. It's still PG thirteen.
0: Yeah,
1: um, both of them. It's still like Disney Marvel fitting within that framework and that universe. Not that they haven't been afraid to make some things darker. Mm -hmm. Um, but he still had to be filtered down a little bit Mm -hmm. to make Guardians of the Galaxy. Sure. So this is the first time since his low budget days that he's been able to just completely be unfiltered James Gunn with Mm -hmm. this kind of scale and this kind of budget. And I really, really enjoy it. I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff in the movie that just didn't land for me, Mm -hmm. but like I, I understood and appreciated it enough to like find humor in it. It just didn't exactly land, but that's completely overshadowed by the amount of jokes in the movie that just Mm -hmm. like were hilarious to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, so now we have Yeah. You know, we have the Suicide Squad 2021.
0: Cool. That's all very helpful context. I saw Suicide Squad in 2016, but I honestly don't remember it. I feel like it was trash. Jared Leto and um Margot Robbie were probably the most memorable parts of that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but even you saying that that they had spent so much of the movie setting up the suicide squad just as a whole. I just don't, really, I don't think I remember the movie very well. Um, so anyways, that makes a lot of sense in setting up this movie. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. So this movie, uh, like you said, it's uh, the suicide squad is made up of a, a ragtag group of super villains uh, is what they are technically are, and they are given um, a task that they have to accomplish. Um, So this movie is just about this group going to the island of corto maltese uh and they have to complete their mission that's like the 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 most basic um description of the plot but it's really just about their journey um going around the island trying to complete their mission so um this it was such a fun watch and i think i would probably give it um like an eight out of ten i really enjoyed it i thought it was so fun so some of the things that I watched or that I watched uh that I liked about it, it is just a fun watch. It is gory, it is mm-hmm. very gory, it is appropriately rated R. Um, but so so if that's not your thing, like know that there's you see a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think it's the kind of gore that I can handle because because it's fun, like mm-hmm. um, like the mood as a whole is like upbeat for what's actually happening. Um, so visually it's fun. It has a, like a bright color palette. There's a fun soundtrack. It has humor and, um, just like funny witty lines throughout. So I think that helps maybe balance out or like helps my mind justify what I'm actually um, seeing and experiencing in the movie. Um, but I just felt happy watching it. Like there were times where I just caught myself smiling because it was just fun. It was just a good time. Um, it did keep me on my toes going into it. Uh, I remember you mentioning an interview that you had heard or just, I don't know, whatever it was, just the concept of the suicide squad. Um, just saying like don't get attached to these people because you don't know who's going to be around and ultimately that is what they're doing they're going out on these missions with the chance every time that they could not come back um and i think i tried to take that to heart <laughs> going into this movie um that you never know what's going to happen and i think the movie as a whole um really shows that i felt yeah just what? always couldn't predict what was going to happen.
1: There's there's a weight that comes with that to mm-hmm. knowing every scene that this could be your favorite character's last scene. Totally, like they could just die. Yeah, at any point, and that's some might consider think that that you know that's not fun. But there is, mm-hmm. it feels, um, more important. It feels like mm-hmm. you want to cherish this time with them because they're like James Gunn is not a filmmaker who's afraid to kill off. Yeah. Especially in a movie like
0: this. Yeah, yeah uh in light of that i really enjoyed the characters themselves and the character chemistry that they had with each other um i i feel like even though there are a lot of them that you have to kind of learn and get to know um i felt like i did like i got attached to certain characters and felt like i understood at least a little bit of like who they are or what their thing is or i just felt like you did a A good job of developing them enough in a short amount of time. Yeah. Um. But I feel like Idris Elba's character, Bloodsport. Um. I really enjoyed him, and there's a scene kind of towards the beginning with him and his daughter in jail. And it was probably one of my favorite scenes. It's essentially just a conversation back and forth between the two of them where they're essentially just cussing each other out the whole time. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. (laughs) I don't just
1: reminded you of the conversations with your father.
0: (laughs) Totally. No, not at all. (laughs) Um, But I loved it. His daughter is played by Storm Reed, uh, who I know from Euphoria Mm -hmm. um, primarily. And then she's also in the Invisible Man. And what oh,
1: yeah isn't she in waves?
0: Um, I or don't like know, maybe I don't know. Hmm. Um, but she is Zendaya's little sister in Euphoria, so that's what I know her most from. But hmm. um yeah, I just loved that scene and really enjoyed Idris Elba's character um as a whole um in the film. So the, the last thing that I'll mention that was a positive. Um John Cena was a positive for me. I feel like he was probably one of the biggest surprises. I don't I don't ever have like a ton of um hope or expectation for him as an actor, but he it genuinely just felt like he was having a good time yeah. and that he was just happy to be there and like his character felt like a good fit for him and uh I just really enjoyed him. So Yeah, I
1: think he's really happy lately to be getting these roles. To be following kind of the rocks path mm. and like getting these roles that have nothing to do with the fact that he was a pro wrestler totally. like to, it's not a cameo it's not even yeah. like an extended cameo or it's not even a main role where it's like yeah but you're john cena the whole time like no he yeah. really is the peacemaker in this film totally through and, through, and like yeah nails it.
0: yeah yeah i thought he was a lot of fun uh a couple of the things that i didn't love Just, one
1: john cena easily has my favorite uh outfits of the films sure like, yes. he has some like nice jean shorts and crop tops and just great <laughs> yes
0: yeah. yes even um, his his helmet his is helmet. referred to as a toilet seat at one yeah, point <laughs> Yeah,
1: it's a beacon of freedom
0: yeah <laughs> uh he was great he had some really great uh one-liners as yeah. well some yeah. great comedic relief um Yeah, a couple of the things that I didn't love as much there, as I was reflecting on it, and even just trying to think of how to describe the movie as a whole, I realized that their mission didn't always feel super clear to me, um, or like, prominent, like, ultimately, I guess I knew what they were trying to do. But I, I think it felt a little muddy to me, it certainly gets more clear as you get more towards the end. But, um, I think I just needed, maybe this is just me. I just needed like more reminders of what they were doing or mm. I don't know if that makes sense, but
1: yeah, I think that might be somewhat intentional. I think even to them, sometimes the mission is a little bit unclear. Even the, the, um, the mission that they're, the explanation of it that they're kind of given is like, Hey, you need to go to this place. And there's this thing that you need to kind of take care of. hmm and that's 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 all they get as well. Yeah. So yeah. I think even they don't necessarily even know what they're going into. Like mm-hmm. their mission is to go and take care of this thing known as Project Starfish. Like they don't even mm-hmm. tell them what the project is or anything.
0: Yeah.
1: So um, I think that might be slightly intentional.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I, I do understand why maybe you were confused at times yeah. or not confused, but just like yeah, like, what is? Why are they here again? Yeah. Why are they doing? And, this
0: thing? and ultimately honestly, like while I was watching it, that wasn't necessarily something that I was trying to think of. I was too like wrapped up in what was actually happening. Mm-hmm. It was only in hindsight as I was reflecting on like, Oh wait, what was their mission? <laughs> like, what were they doing that then I was, I was just thinking that it didn't feel super clear to me. So, uh, the last thing that I'll mention the, uh, this, this starfish of project starfish, um, It just felt silly to me and towards the end in particular, uh, which essentially as the climax is happening, it just felt silly to me and felt, um, like cartoony and like a little bit over the top, silly. You mean like a comic book? (laughs) Yeah, I guess that, I guess that makes sense.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Cartoon over the top. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think, I understand what you're saying, but this movie doesn't take itself too seriously.
0: I know, I know. Like, and there are still totally to like silly. icky elements to mm-hmm. the silliness and it, I don't know, it just made me uncomfortable, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the reflecting on the fact that this is ultimately, uh, a comic <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. So those are just some of the things that I didn't love about it. Um, and I won't, yeah, that's kind of it. I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it's a great film, guys. I think something that James Gunn has um, improved on throughout his his career and kind of learned from his tenure at the MCU, which is still, you know, still going, um, is much bigger heart than he used to have in his films mm. and much more likable characters. Uh, honestly, Slither and Super, um, I do like those films, but the characters are all kind of hateable. Hmm. Um, some of them are more likable than others, but for the most part, you don't care too much. And then in Guardians, I think he slimmed down the horror aspects enough mm-hmm. to be able to really focus. Plus, he's already given these characters that are really fleshed out, like in the comics. You know, they have dozens and dozens and dozens of comics yeah. written about them. Um and especially I mean like Guardians 1 but especially Guardians 2 is really just a like a character driven um, Mm -hmm. little piece about fatherhood and relationships and that kind of thing so Mm -hmm. he kind of took all of that and applied it to his best here and you get these moments of gross out gore you get these moments of hilarious dialogue and banter you get these really good teaming up of characters and character traits and relationships in the team itself and you also get these really like big moments of heart within Mm -hmm. the film um and it just works seamlessly Yeah.
0: yeah 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 it's really really good yeah Yeah, so that is The Suicide Squad. It is currently in theaters and it is also currently streaming on HBO Max. So um, again, Warner Brothers uh, has that partnership with HBO Max. And so if you have access to that, you can go watch it there. However, I will say, go see it in a theater. (laughs) Yeah, Um, almost
1: all this film is shot in IMAX, IMAX, which is um, one of the first for for James Gunn. and, And it's definitely, definitely would benefit from being seen in theaters
0: yeah
1: um I will say if you are watching this at home because I think it'd be a hilarious great movie to flip on with some friends or whatever it's not a kid-friendly film no um it thoroughly uses its R rating both in graphicness of violence and language Language. as well Mm -hmm. um so just know that it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily a family film
0: yeah but it is a lot of fun so Super <laughs>
1: Super it's great. It's one of my favorite movies of the year so far. Uh, and you should, you'll see it. All right. Next I will be reviewing probably, no, not probably. I will say it is my favorite film of the year Ooh. so far. The green Knight. the green Knight is a 14th century Gothic morality tale, um, about sir Gawain, who is the nephew of King Arthur. He's mm-hmm. kind of a young buck hotshot not yet knighted headstrong nephew um and it's his quest to become a knight to mm-hmm. seek glory and honor and become a knight um so he as a young man ready to prove himself is visited while well, arthur's court is visited by a character a mysterious character who lives off far away in a place called the green chapel called the green knight who challenges one of them to a game gawain accepts and as a result of this game a year after that happens he must go out on a journey to seek out the green knight and complete their game um and it's something that he hopes will bring him knighthood and bring him bring him honor um so this is like we said it's based off that 14th century um basically a a poem or like a short story like a novella you said it's like 50 pages or so you read it yeah and it took you—I mean, not very
0: long to read. Mm. Correct? Uh, it took me a little while. I was also yeah. multitasking while I was reading it, but uh-huh. it's yeah, 55 pages of like single typed. It's it's not a poem in the traditional sense. It's very no, no, much no, no. a short story. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and probably difficult to read at times due to the fact that it's in old English. And totally, like it's yeah. seen a couple different iterations of adaptation, mm-hmm. even. Um, literary uh, I know J.R. Tolkien mm-hmm. um, put out his version of it uh, mm-hmm. in the midst of his fame with Lord of the Rings and that's one of the more famous iterations it might have been the one that you read
0: it wasn't the one I read the one I read was by W.A. Nielsen it was translated okay. by W.A. Nielsen
1: got it got it yeah because yeah, originally the story I think was written in Gaelic and mm-hmm. um, like old Irish yeah. so anyway this is a modern adaptation of it. I think if you're familiar with the story, it's not going to be very similar to that. Um, mm-hmm. It takes more so the code of the old knightly quest and replaces it with more of a inner self journey. Yeah. Um, for someone like Gawain, I know that Gawain in the book is, he's this chivalrous, like they compare him as like a pearl amongst other knights. Like he's mm-hmm. very set in who he is the Gwen we see in the movie is not that at all yeah. played by Dev Patel he's much more unsure he doesn't know who he is he's fallible uh charming and smooth but corruptible and and just not set yet and this mm-hmm. is kind of a story of him journey into himself and and finding himself throughout or via I guess this task of this co- this quest for for honor um it's I'll, I'll get into things that i don't like about the movie because there's very few of them before i get into the rest of it i don't think that this is everyone's cup of tea i mean i know it's not i've yeah. seen it multiple times already and been in showings next to people who were very obviously not really enjoying the film mm-hmm. and not necessarily knowing what's going on it's Dense. There's a lot of old English in there. You really need to pay attention. Um, and at the same time, it's just like deeply, deeply atmospheric film. Mm-hmm. Um, there are going to be things in it that are maybe I guess just stranger than most American audiences are used to seeing, um, and that may kind of turn people away. It's mm-hmm. definitely longer than people would probably like it to be, and can be slower at times. So I can see people walking away from this film not necessarily having enjoyed it or got it or whatever but if you take it more like a poem it is a morality tale and you really just kind of give yourself into these characters and this journey really this one character of Gwen and what he's going through I think that you'll find yourself very very invested in it at least I did um
0: I will also say be open to seeing it more than once. I think I mm-hmm. think it's very natural for people to see a movie one time and that to be it. However, I think I think there are a lot of opportunities to dig into it more, to learn more about it, to learn different things from it just by giving it more than one watch. So, yeah. Although you could like be one and done and be fine, I would also just encourage you like if you can yeah go
1: see it there there are scenes especially towards the end of the film that really paint the rest of the story in kind of a whole new light or at least they did for me so seeing it again Mm -hmm. you know was very beneficial in that sense um Mm -hmm. but everything in this first of all the cast is amazing you have dev patel playing sir gawain ralph einison playing the green knight who also like he's 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 acting behind a lot of prosthetics and makeup mm-hmm. but just his voice alone is just absolutely stunning incredible he narrates some of the trailers so if you've seen trailers with this very deep voice narration that's that's Ralph I- uh, Ineson um Alicia Vikander plays uh Essel uh Dev Patel or excuse me Gwen's love interest um and then Sean Harris uh plays King Arthur so a great cast all around but but Dev Patel really steals the show yeah you know right right in the middle it's, it's his story from start to finish um and just plays this very vulnerable um chaotic almost uh selfish but heroic version of Gawain that I just found very very intriguing and very watchable the whole time um but everything in this film every technical aspect of this film is just working in such cohesiveness it's so so impressive this film was directed by David Lowry who is now five for five on not only just standout amazing movies but five very very different genres he made Ain't Them Bodies Saints with Casey Affleck back in 2013 I believe which is like a romantic crime western Um, and then he made Pete's Dragon for Disney which was actually a fantastic version of like a Disney live-action adaptation obviously a kids film then he made a ghost story which is about as India's films get, and he made *Old Man in the Gun*, which is more of a love letter to old crime films and to um, to uh, um, oh my goodness, *Old Man in the Gun* actor.
0: Oh, I don't know.
1: Oh my goodness! Like one of the most famous actors of all time. Uh, yeah,
0: I can have it in just a second.
1: Oh my goodness. Robert Redford. (laughs) It was Robert Redford's last film. um, And he had already worked with him in Pete's Dragon. But anyway, and then now you have this medieval gothic horror, I guess. Five very, very different genres and very interesting takes on like storytelling. And it's just knocked it out of the park every single time. So, and then I think he's returning to Disney next with a Peter Pan uh, adaptation. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But I, Think he's a phenomenal director. I think he is just such a visionary. Every time you watch his films, just such a singular voice and such a singular vision that you can either really get behind or you can totally be lost in. But if you choose to get behind, I really think he takes you on these rides that are just absolutely incredible. Um, and then everyone else, some names that I wanna um, list off. Andrew Dros Palermo, JD Healy, Migozia Ternaska not sure if I said that right. Christine McDowell or McDonough, David Pink and Daniel Hart. These are everyone from the composer, the cinematographer, um, costume design, set design and art directors, all of which have come over from his past films with him, all of which just did a phenomenal job in building this world. It's an yeah. absolutely gorgeous film, has the mm-hmm. best cinematography I've seen in over two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a visual treat absolutely stunning. Everything is stunning. And I want to point out specifically Christine McDonough, who is the only one of that entire list who did not carry over from any of David Lowry's past films. She's one of the art directors. So if you don't know what an art director is, basically it's their job to have everything from the costume design to the set design to even the VFX of like the world around them, uh, work cohesively to kind of, uh, back whatever the director's artistic vision for the film is from a visual perspective. So it's a very, very important job. Mm -hmm. I mean, films have, you know, distinct styles artistically and, and that's a lot up to the art directors. And I was just looking through some of her, her filmography as an art director and It seems like she is basically the go-to if you want just killer like medieval period, Mm. um, like art direction. She's done Mm -hmm. Into the Badlands, Don, Gretel and Hansel, the terrific. uh, Did you see it? Did you see Gretel and Hansel like two years ago? Mm -mm. Overall, the film was not perfect, but if anything, its art direction was just absolutely engaging and Mm. absolutely stunning. Obviously, now she's done The Green Knight. She also did she's working on um Vikings currently and has been the TV show from History Channel mm. and is working on The Northmen, which is Robert Eggers, the director of The Lighthouse and the um and which his upcoming film, The Northmen, which may or may mm. not come out at the end of this year, she's working on. So if you yeah. ever listen to this, Christine McDonald you're doing amazing great job (laughs) your your name is not one that people say and they should because you're absolutely killing it all of the oh she also worked on penny dreadful so just really outstanding uh kind of gothic horror period piece art direction if you're making a movie like that (laughs) she's your girl she's your girl um but uh and i think green knight may be her best work um yeah i'm trying to think of did you have any other um any thoughts on it
0: positive or negative either way um yeah i mean in addition to the cinematography the sound design was fantastic um the the green knight in particular the way mm. that he moves and everything about him is just like um
1: yeah the yeah. green knight is it's
0: just wild
1: essentially like a tree of sorts like yeah. he's he's like or, or like a organic or like plant
0: based yes. almost yeah. as like a character. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. It's
1: hard to explain, but the sounds of like the metal of his ax scraping against yes. stone, just yes. phenomenal. Also there's a scene towards the end where he's been sitting in the same position mm-hmm. for a long time, for a, year, for a year waiting for uh sort of going to get there. And he finally wakes up and mm-hmm. both times that I've watched it now, listening to him wake up and like, yeah, Move everything and move out of the bush and crackle is like amazing, but it also just makes my whole neck and back. Yeah. Like I feel like I need to pop my neck or like yeah. pop my back because it just yes. makes me feel like, oh, it's yeah. it's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah,
0: if you are someone who enjoys ASMR, this will be a treat for you because mm. it's not like not just him, but I mean the everything, the environment that they yeah. create, the clopping of horse hooves, like it, everything is just Phenomenal in that sense. Um, I also loved uh Barry Keoghan. Ke- yeah, Keegan. Keegan,
1: Keegan. Um,
0: he is a, a side character in this film, but I thought that for the short time that he was in it, he just nailed it. I yeah, loved his character, really,
1: he really displays this like boyish charm that's flipped over into boyish almost like mischief but in a very dangerous way like yes a boy who's been given a gun or something where it's yes. like he's just mischievous but he yeah. has power to really do damage and that's yes. scarier than almost an adult like who can more think through actions and really hits it out of the park I mean every role he he does he just yeah. absolutely he's nails. Been awesome. but yeah. um Yeah. 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 Everything in this film. And, and, and that's why I wanted to specifically point out like the costume design, the set design, Mm -hmm. because even to like the sound and the editing, Mm -hmm. um, just the choices that are made from a pacing perspective, like just really, really bring this world to life. I mean, it's, it's this epic journey across this land that we really don't Mm -hmm. know anything of filled with equal parts, uh, horror and equal parts fantasy and mysticism mm-hmm. and, and really just comes to life. Oh, mm-hmm. oh yeah. It's yeah. such a visual treat. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yes, Fantastic.
0: Um, Gawain's, uh, he has this like shawl blanket scarf thing, uh-huh. uh, that he wears throughout the journey. That's this like golden mustard yellow color. And that, in con- contrasting with the scenes that he's in, the landscape that he's writing through is just phenomenal. Um, but a fun fact for you the costume designer, as she was creating that piece, there's, if you look closely, I don't know if you have seen this, but there is a little bit of a pattern on it. And the pattern on that is a piece of her um, husband's thumbprint. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that so is. So if you if you see it again or see just a picture of it or whatever, you'll notice it totally makes sense. But uh yeah, yeah, as far as a couple of the other things, like you mentioned, I did read it before I went and saw it the first time, and it is definitely not a <laughs> direct adaptation. Um, and I think honestly, the first time that I watched it that uh caught me up a bit because I was so focused on the fact that I felt like I knew what was coming and then that didn't happen or something different happened or they added something else. So that is also why I thought it was beneficial to go see it a second time because then I could just fully appreciate it for what it was um, because it's, it's not super uh, close to, to the text. Um, The other thing that I had an issue with was there were some scenes that were so dark that i like literally couldn't see (laughs) what was happening like
1: visually dark
0: visually dark not Mm -hmm. content i mean yeah not content wise but um yeah visually we're just so dark that i couldn't always tell what was happening and i think that happened more than i would have hoped that it would have happened um so i don't know what the intention of that was i'm sure it probably was an intentional choice but um i didn't i didn't love some of those
1: yeah. I mean, that can just be frustrating at times um, to be watching something and like really straining your eyes and being like, I yeah. can't really see what's going on. Yeah. But referencing what you were saying about having read it and mm-hmm. that kind of tripping you up, I think, mm-hmm. and this is a larger conversation that we don't necessarily need to get into because I'm going to say something and I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that this is the, I, I agree with this 100% of the time because I do love some books and stuff. And when I go to see the adaptations of them, I want yeah. to see those faithfully adapted. Yeah. <laughs> faithfully adapted. Yeah. <laughs> adapted. Um, but people need to let films breathe when they're mm-hmm. adaptations. A, a film's dedication or faithfulness to the exact script or story of its source material is not a measure of its quality.
0: Yeah.
1: Sometimes it is purposeful and they're doing their own thing. And I think this mm-hmm. is one where it's a very purposeful, completely different mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. I mean, not completely different, but completely different kind of it's story. It's different
0: in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. So it feels, um, it does feel.
1: So, I, I mean, like I said, that's a larger conversation that we don't need to have right now, but mm-hmm. I think people need to let films
0: mm-hmm.
1: breathe at their own as their own stories more when mm-hmm. they are adaptations of famous mm-hmm. works. Yeah.
0: I think for me, I felt like, especially with this genre, I felt like I wanted, um, I think I thought it was going to help me more than it actually did. Like, I think I, I think I was going into it thinking I need to read this so I can understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And ultimately I didn't see it without having read it. So I don't know what my experience would have been if I had just gone in and saw it with no reference or no understanding of what the story really was going into it. But I, I felt like I wanted the extra, what I thought was going to be the extra help, which I will say going into it, I felt like I had context and I had like a general idea of where it was going to go. So I don't regret like reading it before I went, but I think, um, then watching it a second time I got all of my expectations out of the way and really just got to enjoy it for what it was so I think there were yeah pluses to both
1: yeah I think I do think that this is one where if you seek out a bit of a explanation to the structure of the story beforehand that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing because Mm -hmm. I could see it being one that people are I guess a bit confused by like mm-hmm. i went and saw it was with people the the second time mm-hmm. and beforehand i just gave a brief like explanation of the the game the yeah. like titular not titular but the the main game that is going to yeah. focus on and like what the because i think you're so cut up at the beginning with the getting embedded into this world of fantasy mm-hmm. and All these different things going on and and it's showing a bunch of different stuff and there's multiple different characters giving voiceovers and you're not really sure that i think the entire first sequence with the green knight in Mm -hmm. the um you know at the round table
0: yeah
1: and what he actually what he actually proposes and the outcome of that and like what that means for sir gawain could be totally missed on you and then you're Mm -hmm. just like not really sure of why the journey is so important anyways or whatever so yeah I'm not saying you should go and just completely spoil the movie for yourself before you see Mm -hmm, it, but if you mm -hmm. do kind of seek out a bit of like a guide, I guess, for yourself as far as structure, Mm -hmm. that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing just so you can have a bit of context because Mm -hmm. being honest, not everyone listening to this is going to go see it more than once. You should because I I really think that that's highly beneficial to your enjoyment of, of the film um plus even if you see it the first time and you're like well i enjoyed that great the first time so why would i need to that just still do it's great <laughs> it's an absolutely wonderful film and like i said truly is my favorite of the year so far mm-hmm. um we've just had this terrific run mm-hmm. lately of of pig just 2 weeks ago and suicide squad and um and
0: the green night green night
1: um this week that probably are my top 3 of the year mm-hmm. so it's Great,
0: they're just gonna keep coming, they're
1: just gonna keep coming, and Ooh. I am so excited!
0: It's good, it's really good. All
1: right, guys. Well, have you seen the Did you have any other thoughts on it that you wanted to talk about? No, okay. Have you seen the green knight? Um, have you seen Suicide Squad? Let us know what you think about them. Reach out to us on Instagram, two takes on film, um, or I guess you can email us at two takes on film <laughs> at gmail someone send um, us an email just yeah say someone hey. just so that we get like an email that'd be fun <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah just feel real business like yeah yeah um but anyway we'd love to hear what you think um you know follow us on instagram be on the lookout for a bunch of more episodes coming out soon because like we said all the movies are about to start coming out I knew that was going to start happening. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, all the movies are about to start coming out and we are ready for it. We hope you are too. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. I don't know what you're talking about. My real name is Dennis McTooten.